millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back. Coming up on this week's show... What the Messi transfer saga means for the soccer TV networks. Big changes are being sports as their lead analyst leaves. ESPN announces star analysts for La Liga coverage. We have an exclusive with one of the hosts of ESPN's La Liga coverage and your feedback in the listener mailbag segment. I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer. This week, Kartik Krishnayar is taking a break and we have a guest... The guest, none other than Kay Murray from ESPN. Kay, welcome aboard. Thanks so much for having me on, Chris. I'm a long-time listener of the World Soccer Talk podcast, and uh, it's great to be on and to be joining you for it. Yes, yeah, so a long-time lis- listener, first-time caller <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> but uh, so, so let's get right into the heart of things, because we've got a lot to cover and some really exciting news coming up in, in the news segment. Uh, in terms of what we've been watching from this past week, if anything stood out, uh, I'll go first. And, and then actually for me, it was um, I missed the Gold Cup final. I was driving, so I was able to follow it, follow along on social media whenever the, the car stopped at traffic lights, which is not the most conducive experience, <laughs> but really happy about uh, the U.S. winning the, the Gold Cup. And also kudos to the U.S. women who got the, the bronze medal. At the Olympics, not the medal that they were hoping for, but still it's a medal and uh, well-deserved. And actually, they did really well to get that far, I think, in that tournament against some tough opposition. But what about UK, uh, speaking of the Olympics? Uh, yeah, speaking of the Olympics, and I, I've been a little bit the same as you, Chris. I think it's just there's so much going on at the moment that actually catching some of the games right now is proving difficult for me, especially with the times and with two babies under 18 months. So um, what I do is I've been following along the Spanish, um, well, under 23, but the Spanish Olympic team uh, every day in Diario As, the Spanish newspaper that I get delivered because it's such extensive coverage anyway. And I'm always interested in any Spanish team, especially for my time living there. And it's been interesting to me because obviously they had a good run in the Euros, as you saw, and then they took players from the Euros with them into the Olympics as well, which has been criticised by some. But what a lot of people did forget in the Euros is that even though Luis Enrique was questioned on his call-ups for this team, so many of this team have actually been through the youth ranks together and won together. And mm-hmm. then you saw them, you know, having this deep run that they did. So it's been interesting for me to keep up with them in the Olympics. They're through to the final against Brazil. 
have not been at the like sparkling or at their best really but you can understand there's some tired legs in there but I think there's a there's a lot of people to be looking out for Marco Asensio is a player for a big occasion as he proved in the semi and any chance to see Pedri at the moment is definitely worth it because obviously yeah. this guy's got a big bright future ahead of him yeah, absolutely. And it's something too. I mean, from pre- previous uh, U20 Euros, I mean, in terms of the Spanish team, we keep on seeing just uh, the amount of talent coming through the system is, is just incredible. And uh, yeah, for me, it, the, the Olympics has been just such a, a strange, strange experience. It's probably the first time I haven't watched a lot of it. And um, again, it might be partly being a cord cutter, but uh, partly not knowing when the events are going on. There's the time difference. There's also still a lot of soccer going on. So I'm still watching preseason friendlies, um, tuning in now and again. I mean, there's a lot of uh, even, what, Champions League qualifying rounds. There's Europa League qualifying rounds. There's the, the, the Scottish League already started last weekend. So there's a lot going on. And anytime I've switched on the Olympics, it hasn't been anything that's grabbed me. And uh, the only one thing I did catch this week was a show called uh, Tokyo Gold, and it's on, I believe it's on Peacock. And it, what it is is a uh, kind of a recap show showing you the best moments of the day. And it's hosted by, I think, Rich Eisen. And it's uh, kind of laid back. And actually, that was pretty good because I was able to catch probably most more of the Olympics on that than I have in real time. If it is real time, some of it is probably yeah. on delay. But um, it's just been a really different Olympics than what we're used to uh, experiencing, really. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's great news about Spain, and that should be a great final, Spain against Brazil. Uh, you mean, Brazil's always always there, so that one should be a great one to watch. What about... Yeah, just um, what you said, though, there, Chris. You know, it's really strange, and obviously it's a new streaming age, and we're cod cutters, too, in our house. I think, like, you know, gr- growing up, I used to be able to get a magazine. My parents always got, like, a magazine that would tell you what was on on every channel, what time, what yeah. day. And I think that there could be a market there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Because you often do find that across the networks. You're thinking, okay, well, where do I find that? When's that on? How do I yeah. get to that? And that's something that is, like, it, it's a new era, and it is something that I think a lot of people are having problems with across many platforms. Yeah, d- yeah, definitely. Uh- Almost like a, I used to be a subscriber back in the day to uh, Entertainment Weekly, which was kind of mm-hmm. a, you mean, talking about the latest TV shows, latest movies, music, and it was like a weekly guide. Yeah, you almost need something, like a print, something in front of you or, or a flyer <laughs> or something to say, okay, here's what's happening on these days. Uh, part of it, too, is that the challenge is that the schedule keeps on changing. So even for the soccer matches, so I've, I've watched a bunch of the soccer matches, but even those um, kind of last minute changes to kickoff times, again, last minute changes to what channels are showing their games. And um, I guess the other part of it, too, is that NBC has so many different channels and so many different options of watching the Olympics. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not like, you I mean, just having the BBC and you tune into the BBC and, and, and that's, all, that's what you get. There must be about probably a dozen different uh, channels that NBC is broadcasting the Olympics on, and then yeah. and then Peacock, then Peacock, and then NBCOlympics.com, and all of the digital side that, that makes it even more overwhelming. I think. I think, but um, yeah, so maybe maybe things will get better for, for the next Olympics. So we, we can always hope. Now, uh, one more thing I wanted to mention too, just from this past couple of weeks is. I've been really impressed by the coverage of the second division of the Bundesliga, Bundesliga 2, which is on ESPN+. 
And the first week I've already mentioned, I think last week, that was the, the Hamburg-Schalke game. But even last week, I was watching, I think, Dusseldorf against uh, Werder Bremen. And again, the the actual match atmosphere and the level of quality of these games, it's almost like watching cup finals. So I've really enjoyed it. Um, this weekend, I know there's the, uh, the, the, the DFB Pokal, the German Cup games on. So I think most of those are on ESPN3. But, but I've been really impressed by the quality uh, of those matches. It's great to hear because, yeah, I know that there is a good audience for it. Maybe it's a bit of a cult following for some. Uh, but one thing I'll definitely say is the Bundesliga are a joy to work with. It's so easy. Even Obviously, this is Bundesliga too, but even doing the opening weekend on ESPN for the actual like Bundesliga uh, last season, it was just fantastic. The information that we've got, we have like a tool that we can sign into and you can go and click on the player's name and the player there is saying their name themselves. There's stats you can go in match live. We had people from the Bundesliga in the studio with us. Like, honestly, the way that they not just market their league, but the attention to detail and the help that they give you to help grow that league it's it's really wonderful and being in a broadcaster that has the rights to it honestly i couldn't ask for more than what they give us yeah it's gonna be a, a dream come true for a, a host or analyst or a commentator I, I remember going to gold tv back in miami in probably 2005 and it did a behind the scenes tour um and, and of course ray hudson was there phil shane was there and i think it was like a 10 minutes before kickoff and uh, Phil was on Wikipedia. <laughs> he was like trying to get some information before kickoff. Ray hadn't arrived yet. I think the kickoff was like five minutes from now. And, and Phil was talking about sometimes Ray would show at the last minute, pull up in his Porsche and, and, and away we go. Um, <laughs> it's come a long way since then. Yeah, it definitely has. It's funny you say that, though, because like for commentators as well, it's some of the games that they may be doing, I know Matteo and Dre, uh, Andres Cordero, did a game once. And I can't remember if it was like AFCON qualifiers, what it was. Anyway, they actually got their lineups by somebody in the stadium holding up a piece of paper with the lineups written on it and like <laughs> all these names on it. And then you think when I'm telling you that it's like Bundesliga are giving us all passwords, our own passwords to go in, you know, sometimes, <laughs> especially commentators as well, that's what they're working with. And often with, with guys with no names on their backs and, uh, yeah. It's just, you know, it's a minefield when you get into it of broadcasting and especially the commentary. But that just makes me laugh because we used to call Phil Shane Philipedia because he always seemed to just be able to pull something out of his head when you asked him a question. But it probably was because he was on Wikipedia all the time. <laughs> so so before we move to the big news, I do want to talk about this weekend's matches. I mean, kickoffs around the world from different leagues. Uh, the French League is starting up on Friday. Uh, the Championship starts on Friday. And there's, of course, the, you have the Olympics, uh, the women's final, the men's final, and a ton of friendlies on, on television. Of course, Major League Soccer. I mean, there's just an enormous amount of television, soccer television to watch. My match to watch this weekend, and I have to say this because I'm a Swansea City fan, and, and, and I know, Kay, that you're a Middlesbrough fan. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. But for me, it's uh, Blackburn Rovers against Swansea City on Saturday on ESPN+. Plus at 10 a.m. Eastern, and Swansea has a brand new manager. Uh, they just uh, signed from MK Dons. His name is Russell Martin. And the reason that they, they actually uh, picked this man to be the manager is that the Swans want to go back to the uh, Tikitaka 
passing, keep the ball on the floor, uh, play in the Swansea way, and um, and then of course hoping that they get promoted at the same time. But uh, it's a step backwards in some ways in terms of wanting kind of more of an entertainment. Uh, even though Swansea the last two seasons went into the playoffs and almost went all the way to the Premier League, the, the Swansea fans, myself included, are looking to to be uh, entertained rather than to, to win every match or, or, or to get the, into the playoffs. Now, Kay, what about you? Well, Middlesbrough... like so. I, I looked at, uh, speaking of Wikipedia, I looked at Wikipedia this afternoon. I'm like, wait a second, Neil Warnock's still manager of Middlesbrough? I was surprised by that. Well, he's actually, it just seems to have been a really good match. And I think he admitted when he came in that constantly for a long time, he had contacted Steve Gibson when the position had become like vacant in the past and and had shown his interest in being the borough manager. Um, and it just seems to have been a fit so far. I think because of the character that he is, um, the fans have taken to him right now. And I, because of the problems there were, and they've they've not been happy with quite a few things in recent years, and you can understand why. And I just think that maybe Neil Warnock's brought some renewed hope. And where we've often missed out on signings, and I can definitely say we with Middlesbrough, nobody can tell me off, surely. Right. <laughs> but where we've missed out on like signings, especially in transfer windows, it's often been a worry for fans because we'll we'll bring a name up and then we see that he'll go to like a club in London and or some other club will swoop in and get him. Well, in this transfer window, we've got like five or six new signings already in. And so Neil Warnock's signing is record ninth promotion and it, it's not gone unnoticed by many when you're looking at previews of the championship this season and the the exciting thing for Borough is they've got this young Argentine and a 22 year old called Martin Payero uh-huh. and I can't say that I know a lot about him it's only from the fact that we've been linked with him that the Argentine football journalists that I follow are actually journalists covering Argentine football say you know we're very lucky and it's a it's a really good signing to have he's said to be a very athletic player, good at dribbling, good at set pieces. They say it's a wonderful signing for us. And um, I'm just hoping that it all that it all pays off and that, that this will, you know, work. Because if you, he's got the number 10 as well. And, you know, this, you see some of the foreign, especially South American players who've come through the borough in the past. And obviously the big obvious one being Janinho, a Brazilian player. And... They, it's just something that's very exciting. So I think that the Borough fans are stepping into the the new season with some optimism, and it's Fulham against Middlesbrough. That game's on ESPN Plus on Sunday. I think it's 8.30 uh, Eastern. You can see it. So that's one definitely worth watching. My other one that I'd really like to look out for, though, Chris, is a friendly. It's Milan against Real Madrid. And I say this because off the pitch, they think that this is going to be something of a meeting between the two clubs to talk deals and maybe some players going whichever way to be discussed. East Coast, the big one, um, looks as though Milan are looking because Chalinoglu's gone and they'd like a a player to replace him. So there's a few names that apparently they've got on the wish list, Odria Sola, Danny Ceballos. Um, They've got a good relationship historically anyway and then they've had the loan deal of Brahim Diaz, so that's also showing that they're working together as it is. So I just think that's a bit of an interesting friendly, those two coming together, because we'll see which players are put out there. It could be to show them this is what you could be having. 
Yeah, it's it's fascinating, and, and and this is purely by coincidence. But most of these matches we're talking about are on ESPN Plus. And another one is Sunday's match, um, Barcelona against Juventus, which is in the uh, the Joan Gamper Trophy. Uh, I think at three thirty uh, on uh, ESPN Plus. We'll get to the Messi news in a little bit, but. I mean, you have to wonder, too, in terms of, I mean, whether there'll be some discussions there. Probably not as friendly as uh, Milan and Real Madrid, but it'll be interesting to watch some of the, what the, the repercussions and what the fan reaction is and what the temperature is uh, in, in the stadium. But yeah, Middlesbrough, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching that against Fulham. And, that, and that's the thing about the championship. I mean, you could, on paper, look at it and say, well... The, the title contenders, it's probably Bournemouth, West Brom, Watford, um, and, and, kind of, and maybe one or two other teams. And you look at the bottom, you think, okay, Derby County is just a, a car crash. I mean, they're just you mean, they have, having an absolutely awful off-season. But you never know. The championship is one of the most competitive divisions. Um, I try to watch as much of it as possible. And, uh I mean, some of the games are kind of uh, one nils, very tight, tense games, but some of them are pretty wild though too. So it, it should be a, a really fascinating season. I mean, best of luck to Borough uh, and, and best of luck to the Swans. But Yeah, best you, of luck to Swansea too. But it's yeah. interesting you say that you just want to be entertained because I find that with a lot of fans in the Championship, they even the ones who've come down from the Premier League where they've had a really tough old time, they know that in the Championship often, as a fan in the stands, they do enjoy themselves more. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the last two seasons for me have been a joy to watch. I mean, yeah. and then being in the Premier League was so depress- depressing. When yeah. when we were in the I bottom know. half of the table, it was like you'd go into every game just dreading, thinking that the best that you could get from that game was maybe a draw. And you go in there thinking, you're going to lose again. Um, yeah, it's a completely different feeling. I, I've been enjoying it. It's been actually more relaxing. While when the Swans were in the Premier League, it's it's towards the last couple of years of the the time there, it was my entire weekends were, were just like I was just in a, in a dark cloud because it just seemed to be inevitable that there's no way that they could beat beat the big teams um, as they got I mean picked up less and less points as time went on, but. Ah, well, that, that's a great thing about about a new season is that we all start off on, on a clean slate, and you never know what's going to happen. And uh, hopefully, it'll be a positive one, and especially this next twelve months, given what's happened in the last twelve months. So, uh, really uh, positive that uh, fans will be back in the stadium, and hopefully, we'll see some good football. Speaking of fans being back in the stadium, speaking of good football, we're going to move on to TV streaming news. And Kay, actually, I'll have you tell the news. So this is the big news that we wanted to to share with you and uh, straight from Kay. Well, yeah, um, with ESPN now having the rights to La Liga, myself and Dan Thomas will be co-hosting throughout the season on La Liga. We've not really put too many of the the fine details on it. I know there's going to be more information on the opening weekend, but we're both delighted to be covering a league that we love and a league that we've got a lot of history with. Dan's my old flatmate in Madrid. Um, And so it's wonderful to be together. I think it's 16, 17 seasons later that here we are in ESPN um, covering La Liga for for the audience here in, in the US. And it's a league that we know intricately. It's a league that we love and it's a league that we're happy to be continuing to cover and promote. 
Yeah, well, first of all, congratulations. This is a, a massive uh, role at ESPN. Of course, you've, you've been working at ESPN for quite some time, doing a lot of the coverage, and it's been a joy to watch you on whether it's Euro 2020 or any of the other programming. And I know Kartik's a massive fan of Dan Thomas. Um, I, I am too, but I think Kartik's an even bigger fan. Uh, <laughs> and both Kartik and I are big fans of your work too, going back to the being sports days and, and all the way through. So, so. In terms of the the both of you kind of hosting, is it going to be kind of a, a rotation, or how is that going to work as far as who? I mean, like, like as far as Dan when he's on versus you when you're on. Uh, yeah, for now, I think it might be more of a rotation. Although, I mean, don't take that as gospel because we've not actually put too much of the finer details on it. I know opening weekend Dan will be on his own for for one of the bigger games, but I'll, I'll let him tell that news. Um, but that, that's how I think it will be, just by just because of numbers and because of the games that ESPN are going to be showing. They're going to be showing every single game mm-hmm. every weekend. They're going to be trying to do coverage around those games. You can see on the opening weekend, which the, the it's already been released on the fact that there'll be previews ahead of Real Madrid, ahead of Barcelona's game against Real Sociedad. Um, but we'll see, because we were just saying the other day we were on FC together, which doesn't obviously happen much because I'm usually jumping in when Dan's not on. And we were on because we were talking about La Liga teams and I jumped in to talk about Villarreal, a team that I'd travelled to see a number of times when I was out there. And it was so natural to just be back on air with him. It had been so long, over a decade since we'd been on air together. And we just said afterwards, really enjoyed that. So hopefully we'll see. We'll see if we can twist the boss's arms and get some get some hosting together on it but just going back to Dan and it's honestly Chris and I'm not just saying it because he's he's like a brother to me and he's been so supportive of me since coming up here to ESPN but I honestly don't know any other host I find him so unique who can do what he does Mm -hmm. he just knows how to push buttons how to wind people up but still get away with it and he's that that's how he always was he was so funny at saying something that no one else could get away with even when we were out with friends in a bar he just has this amazing ability to do it. And then you'll see, so that's the fun side and how he knows to, to rile his, his pundits up. And then you see how he hosted the show after they just heard about Paul Mariner's passing. Yeah. And it was so raw and so wonderfully done by all of them. And it just shows the repertoire for me that Dan has as a host. And I honestly think he's, he's one of the best soccer hosts out there across the world. Yeah, I think I think he's he's a natural. I mean, what you see on camera is the same Dan Thomas you see off camera. I mean, it, it, that, that's who he is, right? He's cracking jokes or he's saying something really, really funny that's kind of a little bit dry humor. But it's yeah. like a, a minute later, you, you go, oh, yeah, that, that, that's what he's talking about. But yeah, he does know the game. And, and he does, I mean, in terms of asking the right questions... I don't think I've ever watched an ESPN FC where I was bored by Dan Thomas. It's it's always interesting, even on on a day where there's very little news, and and, and that must be challenging too. Some some you know, some weeks in soccer, there's hardly any, anything going on, or there's not much transfer news. But yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to watching uh, ESPN's coverage of La Liga. What would you say, like for those listeners who may be say fans of the Premier League or fans of Major League Soccer or the Bundesliga or whichever league it may be? What for you makes La Liga different? I mean, what for you do you think would uh, uh, interest them uh, to watching more of La Liga this season? Well, I think that with the three leagues that you just listed in MLS, Bundesliga and Premier League, 
I think what a lot of people can identify with is a culture around those leagues and they buy into that culture too. And if you scratch below the surface in La Liga and you do look beyond just Barcelona, Real Madrid and Athletic, by all means, watch those teams. It's great to have teams like that. You'll start to realise that there's so much more than meets the eyes to each of the clubs. And that's what we've been trying to do over the last week or so in the countdown to La Liga. We've been bringing you a club a day and telling you more about them and the background to it, whether it be Rayo Vallecano, where the fans, you know, off the pitch, they stand for so much. Their message at anti-racism, anti-fascism and everything that they do um, to help the community that the club's in. To team, and, and then you can say things like Villarreal, which we were talking about how, and this is the same for like my team, Middlesbrough, how it's uh, the area, those fans all support that one team. And there might be bigger teams around in the surrounding areas, like we'd have Newcastle and Sunderland. They have Valencia and Levante had obviously been a, a team up there. I'm not saying they're bigger, but there's that competition of Valencia in the surrounding area, yet this team Villarreal is so well supported and they're just so different in so many things the, the fact that the games are on a night even just a match day is that, that there's some of them can be like a 10 o'clock kickoff mm-hmm. and so yep. you are just building up your whole match day to that and it's just wonderful the way you can go for a few beers or some food before the game and then you'll go and watch the game in the stadium and it's it's like very relaxed even in the stadium a lot of the time. The fact that they'll be like bringing their sandwiches in, sometimes flasks of wine and stuff like <laughs> this. And so there's all these wonderful things about La Liga. But then on top of that, and I think nobody can, can lie and say that they, if you turn on any Liga game anywhere throughout the league, and I know that my husband's dad, who's a like staunch Serie A viewer, he will just watch whatever football game's on. And he's turned on La Liga sometimes and said he doesn't think any other league in world football has the quality mm-hmm. that the lower teams there even have. He said you can be watching like 18th against 19th and you'll still see some like wonderful, intricate play. And that's why sometimes I'm saying like scratch below the surface and take a look more. And my friend once explained it to me because he said a lot of the time coming up, uh, growing up, the players would be playing in almost what we'd have, like, you know, like the little mini tennis courts or a basketball court yep. that you'd have in a playground. That's where they'll be playing their football games. So they're so used to being in such small spaces. That's that's why you'll often see players in that league where it feels like the ball's Velcro to their foot because they know how to deal with that. And then that's why they're so good at the possession game that you'll see any team, in, any team even going up against the Spanish national team, even if it's not the strongest Spanish national team, they're always going to have trouble because Spain have always got that style. And I see now many saying, oh, it's um, it's a style that, you know, people know and are wise to now and it's not fast enough and it's not direct enough. And I think, well, you can't tell them to evolve really because the whole reason that this style of play came from a lot of the Spaniards was because they once identified that not always, and I know it might be stereotyping a little bit, but not always are they as big and strong physically as some of the other nations. So what they would learn to do is keep hold of the ball, and that was their best form of defence, basically. And if they could keep hold of the ball and pass so well to one another, that's how they, would, when they were coming up against those teams, would deal with that. And so that's their whole style, basically. And you'll see that across the whole league. And it's just worth watching, whether it's mascots, which you still see that they have as well. Yeah. Whether it's club anthems that they have. There's just so many, so many storylines behind La Liga. And we hope to bring you all of them this season. 
Yeah, I, I think one of the things that appeals to me, well, two things. The first of all is just the technical side, like you mentioned. Uh, I mean, playing out of tight spaces, just the, the, the sheer technical skill is a, at a high level, if not the highest level worldwide in terms of looking at that league compared to other leagues from top to bottom. The, the second part of it is, and, and you mentioned this too, is, is kind of the, the regional uh, identity of these teams. And then having read Phil Ball's book, uh, Morbo, many years ago, and then kind of learning about the different regions in Spain. So whether it's Mallorca or whether it's uh, uh, Sevilla, you mean Seville, just just the, each of the different areas of Spain is so different and so unique. And it does have an identity about it. And the more, like you said, scratch the surface and, and go a little bit deeper, there's so much really fascinating history. And I think that's something too, I'm, I'm sure with ESPN's coverage and the storytelling aspect too, is we'll... We'll find out more and more about that throughout, I mean, the coming years. I mean, it's until 2029, there's a long way to go. <laughs> yes. but, but I think a lot of it is almost like an education process too, kind of like without talking down to the audience, but just kind of informing them in terms of the differences. Um, and I, I think La Liga too, very much like uh, the Bundesliga, is very much trying to get the information out to the broadcasters, even to give you the tools and arsenal that you need to get the information across to to the viewers. So the second piece of news, uh, and this is somewhat related, but but the second piece of news uh, this week uh, is that Ray Hudson has announced that he has left Being Sports. Uh, Ray, who has been with Being Sports covering La Liga for nine consecutive years will continue working for SiriusXM and into Miami as an analyst. And, and as of press time, as of recording this, uh, no announcement has, has been made regarding where, where he's going next. But there's certainly a chance for him to possibly move to a CBS Sports or an ESPN or, or someplace else. Uh, whether he will or not is another story. I think a lot of it is you know, up to him and up to the opportunities that present themselves uh, to him. But Kay, knowing Ray as you do, having worked with him for all these years, how difficult of a decision do you think it was for Ray to go ahead and, and leave being sports after all these years? Yeah, obviously, Ray was the heart and soul of that place. And I'm sure every single level of person there will tell you that from management to production assistants, uh, those who were on air and worked with him and those behind the camera too. Um, but Ray... Ray said for many years that I mean it, it always had that sense of oh you know what like, like a, a few more years and that'll be me and so I, I used to kind of take it with a pinch of salt but as the years have gone by I thought well, you know what maybe maybe that will be the case and it's just so weird with everything and I know we're going to get to it with what we've seen with Lionel Messi today mm-hmm. and I saw some jokes being made but I couldn't help but think it myself <laughs> and I, obviously I'm joking but it almost feels like, did uh, someone tell Lionel Messi that Ray's not going to be calling La Liga's <laughs> games anymore? And right. I had a bit of a giggle to myself. And he even used to say, you know, Ray loves Messi so much. And he used to say, when that guy goes, and he'd say retired, though. He says, when that guy retires, that'll be me. That'll be me done. And so he's always said things like this. And I think it would be very hard for him. And, and Ray feels things um, because you talk about Dan being what you see is what you get. People wonder if Ray's really like he is uh, behind the mic. That's how he is just in life. Like Ray will tell you about the best coffee he ever had. It was a, a coffee in Argentina that he got, and he'll describe it like it's the like it's a novel. Yeah. Because everything he just does with so much gusto, and you know, you've met Ray, and so I think that he's found it hard just over recent seasons, even seeing the 
what's happened to to be in sports and obviously just this week we've seen a number of people who are, they knew they were not going to be continuing there because they'd been told they weren't but that time has come to an end that they served out the period that would be left mm-hmm. and things like that Ray feels Ray feels for everybody because he cares for everybody so I think that will have been uh, very hard for him to have seen too um, but I think that he's so synonymous with La Liga and I know he calls into Miami's games now but um, yeah, I just think that as hard as it would have been inside for him, I do think that maybe made a little bit easier for him because of that. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting too because um, I mean, some people on the outside might think like, well, how hard is it to do you mean a couple of games a weekend and and that's it and, and that's your job? But having gone to be in sports quite a few times and, and visited the offices. I mean, Ray was always available. Ray was always the type of person who would be, you know, if somebody said like, hey, we want to do something for marketing, we want to go ahead and produce this video, or we want to go ahead and have this message on the website, or he was always very, very involved about like, what can I do? Is, what can I, how can I help promote uh, our coverage of La Liga? Or how can I promote uh, uh, being sports? And very will, willing and giving with his time. So so in many ways, I mean, he's almost like the heart and soul of being sports. I mean, the kind of the face in some ways, um, the voice. Absolutely. You mean, they're really the star. And do you know what else? Is, yeah, and the other thing is, Chris, like Ray, like some people, obviously I know that Ray is not everybody's cup of tea and he knows that, he knows that, but he's so many people's cup of tea as well yeah. and they love him. And that that comes from, like, even Real Madrid fans will love him just as much because they know he lives, when he's on that game, rarely will he be negative either as well. You know, a lot of commentators have different styles. You can guarantee if Ray's calling the game of your team that he'll be very positive about your team. And so it's wonderful to listen to in that sense. But just to add, because, like, you say all this PR and he'd always do what he could, I felt that sometimes... Ray would be like the default option for everybody. And because he's such a good person, he'd just say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And he just wanted to commentate La Liga's games and the games that he'd be put on. He loves the other leagues as well he, uh, that he'd do. And so they'd be putting him on the locker room with us and he'd be coming on the extra and he'd always give absolutely 110% of himself. But if Ray got to choose, he'd just go and sit in that booth and call games. That's all he wanted to do. Yeah. That's what he loved doing. He just did everything else for the love of the game and to just help everyone else out, as you said. Yeah, so it should be interesting to see what happens uh, happens next because th- th- I'm sure there's options there for him, whether he decides to you mean, hang up his boots, so to speak, or to, to try something different. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly watch, watch his space here. So um, before we go on to news, talking about Messi, but um, ESPN uh, this past week, actually on Monday, uh, broke the news that uh, announced some of the first few few uh, stars that will be featured on their La Liga coverage uh, for this season. And the English side and the Spanish side. So on the Spanish um, language side, um, representing uh, ESPN Deportes would be uh, some big names. I mean, Diego Forlan, uh, Hugo Sanchez and Mario Kempes. So three you mean, players that have played at the highest level uh, there on the Spanish language side. Then on the English language side, in terms of um, some studio appearances, but there's possibilities, too, of some of these doing some uh, commentaries or, or, or co-coms. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luis Garcia, Steve McManaman, a.k.a. Maca, and then Pablo Zabaleta. So on the English language side, too, you've got some really, I mean, again, players that have played at the highest level. You've got some star material there. 
So b- between those six, that's a pretty stellar um, kind of uh, kind of uh, showcase uh, of ESPN's talent. And there may be more in the future in terms of some other announcements, but uh, so far so good from ESPN. Kate, do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, not not a bad lineup at all. I, I was laughing actually. I saw you take some friendly heat from Hercules Gomez <laughs> yeah. on the uh, Hugo Sanchez and Mario Kempes uh, line, obviously because yeah, they, they they work for Deportes. But you're right in saying that, that you know they've been chosen to to be analysts covering this league. Diego Forlan, I've worked with him before. Um, he'd come in to be in sports. This is a guy who won the Pachichi at Villarreal and Atleti. Luis Garcia, somebody who's played at Barca and Atleti, I was pitch side with him for that famous um, 2014 final day showdown in La Liga when it was Barca against Atleti to win the league title. Maca won the Champions League with Real Madrid. He's won La Liga with Real Madrid. So obviously he's got all the stripes there. He's so fun to be around as well. And then Zabaleta I was on with on ESPN FC the other day and he was great. He was talking to us about City as well. Uh, with a lot of what's going on there. But, yeah, people don't, because they obviously associate him so much with City, and he was at Espanyol, and won the Copa del Rey with them. So these guys, they know this league inside out, and as you said, there could be more as it goes along. Um, Next week, there's something that I'll be doing with a couple of names too, um, as we look ahead to La Liga, uh, players who've played there or who know the league very well. Uh, myself and one of the guys from uh, Mauricio Pedrosa from um, ESPN Deportes will be doing that in a little bit of Eng- uh, mainly English, a little bit of Spanish in there. So everybody's very excited and we are absolutely doing everything we can to to give, you know, to, to continue to give this league the coverage and the credit it deserves because... Let's not forget, Being Sports did a great job, regardless of what people think of them, whether they were able to get the network or not. Everybody who covered La Liga there absolutely adored the league, and they worked inside out every day to have the best news on that league and, and everything. So we hope to continue that. It's back here at ESPN now. Yeah. And, yeah, great lineup, as you said. Yeah, and I think it uh, with ESPN, it takes it to the next level. And, and Being Sports did a really good job of uh, showing... I mean the games. I mean, I mean, I mean all the games really. If it wasn't on Being Sports or Being Sports in Espanol, it would be on Being Sports Connect or Being Sports Extra. And, and with ESPN Plus having every single game, that's kind of the go-to place. And of course, some some of the games will be on television, but even those that are on television also are, are on ESPN Plus. So um, there's always kind of that insurance policy that knowing that you subscribe to ESPN Plus, you'll get access to all the games. So, yeah, really looking forward to it and really looking forward to seeing how ESPN broadcasts this league because uh, it is such a big league. There's such a big opportunity to bring in some new fans uh, to this league in the United States. And if anyone's going to do it and do it well... I, th- I think it really is ESP- ESPN. And uh, even if you went on the line, Kay, I'd be saying the same thing too. So really looking forward to that. And then the last p- piece of news too, speaking of La Liga. So La Liga's season kicks off on August 13th on the Friday, uh, the same day as the Bundesliga, the same day as the Premier League, a lot of competition. And then all of a sudden on Thursday, uh, as we're recording this podcast that same day, uh, Barcelona makes the announcement that uh, even though the club and player Leo Messi have agreed, have come to a, reached an agreement that due to the Spanish uh, financial regulations for, with the league, is they aren't able to afford to, to pay him uh, within the kind of the, the salary cap 
so to speak, that they have in place. So this sends a whole ton of speculation into into the stratosphere. I mean, is this a tactic by FC Barcelona to play hardball with La Liga to try to have La Liga say, okay, yeah, 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 don't worry about the uh, the, the kind of the financial stuff. Let's just bypass that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there's um, CBC is looking to uh, get a percentage of La Liga to buy into the leagues at about ten percent. So they're bringing yeah. a whole cash infusion to the league. Barcelona and Real Madrid are against that. I guess I guess in many ways, Kay, nothing's changed because I mean with La Liga being one of the most I mean the biggest leagues in the world, there's always politics, right? There's always things happening uh, off the pitch, always <laughs> always drama. Always. In fact, I probably didn't mention that as well. If you are following La Liga, you will get daily drama because there's daily newspapers dedicated to just covering the teams in La Liga. It's been, it's honestly been such a wow moment, and there's no denying that Messi is just brings so much to still be at La Liga. But as you're saying, it's so hard to know what's going on here. I think there's definitely something of the fact that the wording in Barcelona's statement, and that, as you said, despite the both reaching an agreement and the clear intention of both parties to sign a new contract, it couldn't happen because of those financial and structural obstacles. So that you can understand why that question's been asked. Real Madrid also coming out with their own um, comunicado today, saying about how they weren't happy. As you were talking about the the, the loan, that, uh, the from selling ten percent of the league to the investment fund. So you wonder if they've been talking to one another because they're obviously in touch because of the Super League news. Yep. It's just so hard to know what's going on. And then people are asking, well, where will he go if this isn't a power play and if they aren't trying to force the hand of Javier Tebas, the president of La Liga? And it's hard to even say that because if this is Messi's camp as well, it almost feels that, well, they didn't expect this to... They can see that there'd been problems. What The fact there was an agreement shows that they probably thought it was going to get solved. So, I mean, and then you talk about there's only two clubs that everybody mentions when it comes to this type of money for a player like this in Man City and PSG. We see what Man City have just done and they've given away the number 10 shirt to Jack Grealish. So it's just such, there's so much to unpack, Chris. And and I knew I was coming on here today with you and then this news comes through and I'm like, wow. (laughs) It's like, where do you even start with it? And then we're waiting and at the time of recording, as you say, it's a Thursday night. Tomorrow, Friday, John Laporta is going to speak to discuss the the contract and La Liga's regulations. And it would just be really interesting to see what he's going to say there and if we learn anything new from what we've already seen. And, and by the time this goes out, that, that could have happened. But mm-hmm. the great thing about ESPN FC is that they will always bring you this information as and when they can. And even if it's before the show goes out, they've got the digital channels when they'll either get one of their written journalists like Sam Marsden's come on straight away today to explain everything that's going on. You'll be able to find that over on YouTube. And no doubt we'll be hearing from from many more with regards to this. I'm on the show tomorrow, so I know that we'll definitely be covering it. I know Rob Palmer's joining us. He's been joining us recently. He was the voice for over two decades of La Liga in the UK. Uh, there's a lot to discuss and we'll see if there's any more twists and turns tomorrow. And you even see journalists like Guillaume Balaguet wondering himself, is there a few more twists and turns to this story? Because it definitely feels like there would be. It just seems so abrupt, even though we knew this was a possibility. It just seems so strange. But then to see that all this, like these 
the images have been put out and Barcelona are actually saying that this is Messi's no longer going to be with us. It just seems like, wow, would they actually go that far just mm-hmm. to do this? Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's it's really a power struggle because you have, I mean, Barcelona, like you mentioned in the press announcement, really kind of saying like, hey, it's not, hey, we were we were ready to reach an agreement to sign the paperwork, but it's really the, the league's fault. And then Javier Tebas, which is the other part of the drama, Javier Tebas is a very outspoken, very direct, very hot-headed person sometimes he will speak his mind there's there's very little filter there like with the premier league and richard masters kind of more of an unsp- you know kind of a quiet person most people probably don't even realize he, he's there um in the media to very conservative very, very kind of uh straight-laced um so from javier tabas's side it's almost like a power struggle to try to say hey let's let's make uh, la liga and tabas the 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 bad guy here and, but it's a dangerous game to play when you're dealing with look uh, at the super, yeah with with big players and look at the super league and you wonder if there's kind of, if they're wondering if there's going to be protests in the same way that we saw with the premier league fans when the when their teams were announced as in the running to be in the super league and then they do a u-turn are they hoping for a similar situation that will force their hands i don't know what's going on I'm sure that right. we'll find out a lot more, especially because the Spanish press, uh, they always seem to have someone in somewhere and often the clubs are feeding the Spanish press their side of the story and their information. So even tomorrow's sports dailies in Spain are going to be so interesting to read. Marco had this story earlier today and you could see people saying, well, why have they run with this story if there's, you know, there's no smoke without fire? And you, they, they can often be accused of that, the big Madrid dailies for sure for certain, uh, Marca and Diario As. Mm-hmm. But even a lot of the really respected Barca journalists were saying, well, hang on a minute, let me just go and see if I can get some more information on this, because this does seem to be a lot of information for them to run with if this is not going to happen. And ultimately, this is what, what happened today. Yeah, and the possible outcome of this, if if a transfer does go through, you know, if Messi's, well, it's, he's a free agent at this point, but if he does move on to a different club, so if it is PSG, then in terms of the rights for the PSG, I mean, for, La, uh, for Liga in the United States, being sports have those rights through to the end of the 2023-24 season. Uh, if he goes to the Premier League, NBC has those rights. Uh, this is going to be the, the last season under the current deal. Uh, Major League Soccer, I mean, if MLS puts in a play and says, hey, man, let's try, try and figure out a way to get him to come to a club in the United States. Um, the current deal for TV deal for MLS that expires at the end of uh, 2022. So there's an opportunity here if Messi did join a PSG or uh, Man City uh, for the TV deals for both. You mean both league? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Before both. Um, uh, M- well, actually, if he joined, say, MLS or, or the Premier League, it'd be, the, the, the timing of this is is perfect for the Premier League to try to get as much money from TV broadcasters uh, or, or you know, MLS too, as far as um, them going to market to try to get some bids in for the, the rights. It, it's just, uh, this could go so many different ways. Or oh, you could, could go to Serie A, you could go to oh. Inter Milan and C- CBS is the, the winner then. <laughs> You know, ho- hopefully yeah. he comes. Although he stays with La Liga. They've got their own financial troubles. So yeah, yeah, jump, jumping up the frying pan into the fire. But yeah, I, uh, Chris, I hope he stays in La Liga, not just for the the fact that we're covering it. Of course, I do. I've been 
Dan Thomas has been in covering La Liga since 05, 06 season. I came the season after 06, 07. And yeah, Messi was there then, but it was the very start of Messi's trajectory. And it was the very beginning of it. And there's no denying that he is the absolute face and he brings so many fans to La Liga. And even those who aren't Barcelona fans love to watch Messi play, understandably so. But I do have to say that I've seen some saying, oh, and ESPN have got it for eight years now. And it's like, well, they weren't expecting Messi to play till he was in his early 40s. (laughs) They knew that there'd be a time in that deal that Messi would no longer probably be there unless Messi knows something that everybody else doesn't. Right. Um, And obviously there is, it's obviously, I'm not saying that we we don't want him anywhere else. Messi is by far the face of the league and, and I hope that he stays. I hope that there can be an agreement made. But there is a lot more to La Liga. And it's not just than Messi, but than Barcelona, than Real Madrid. There's a lot more to watch. And, right. you know, when we started covering the league ourselves, as I said, he he was young and just coming through then. You know, first team, of course, because it's Lionel Messi and look what he can do. But um, you know, I was watching La Liga when it was the Galacticos and it's just new eras and mm-hmm. new times will come. And it's something to think about for the future anyway for the league. They have to know what's happening next and what the new generation of stars will be. Yeah, and that's the thing too with uh, ESPN having the rights to La Liga. This will be the first time in the history of the league that the that the league will be on over-the-air television. So whether it's uh, ABC on that opening weekend with uh, Barcelona against Real Sociedad, uh, it's, it's unli- unlikely that Messi will be featured in that game because uh, I think he's in... He's been traveling. He was in Miami for like what a couple of weeks, and then I think now he's in uh, Ibiza, Spain. So and that was a doubt. That, that was, yeah. yeah, that was a doubt anyway, Chris. Because even if they could get him, even if they could have got this this done, it might have been that he wasn't registered in time for kickoff. But they have till the end of the transfer window anyway. So it could have been still that he wouldn't be in the opening game in the opening weekend. Okay. But yeah, yeah. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully things will get wrapped up somehow or other. And and, and this season we will be able to see him uh, on over the air television. And and even if he does move on to a, a different team in a different league, then we still get to, to watch uh, La Liga, uh, all the games on ESPN Plus, but but uh, maybe a few times in the season on, on over the air television, which will be historic for uh, the Spanish league. So let's move on to listener mailbag. First up is Tokyo Toffeeman. And he says, uh, I just enjoyed listening to your podcast on first impressions of ESPN's coverage of Euro 2020, etc. Thanks for bringing uh, my attention to the Football Attic podcast. I can recommend uh, Nessun Dorma, another retro podcast, and the Totally Football Show, which is where AC Jimbo found his home after the split with The Guardian Football Weekly. Zonal marketing, uh, marketing, zonal marking is also seriously worth a listen for tactical analysis. I hope you're all doing well uh, here in uh, Japan. We've not had the lockdown in the real sense. Hence, I still commute into Tokyo on the bullet train two days a week. So, so far, unjabbed and masked to the nines really is an odd world. A soulless Olympics and Rafa Benitez, the next gaffer, at Goodison Park. And that's brilliant to get here from Tokyo Toffeeman, uh, somebody who has been a World Soccer Talk reader and listener since the beginning, since 2005. So fantastic to hear from Griff there. Uh, thank you for your kind words. 
Next up is Mike. Mike says, another great podcast. Thank you for both uh, for everything you do. Your insight and knowledge is very much appreciated. I learn so much every time I listen. Thank you, Mike. Next up is Greg, and this is talking about uh, CONCACAF and CONMEBOL. Greg says, thanks for addressing my email a couple of weeks ago regarding the issue of the U.S. men's national team not having a major tournament to play in between World Cup cycles like the teams in Europe and South America do. Last week, I heard a few more questions on the podcast regarding this, and you guys spoke about how smaller CONCACAF nations would likely be opposed to a joint tournament with CONMEBOL between, between cycles. I was wondering if you thought that would still be the case if there was still a commitment to hold the Gold Cup as well. The cycle could be, as an example, 2022, the World Cup, 23, the Gold Cup, 24, the CONCACAF CONMEBOL Joint Tournament, 25, Gold Cup, 26, World Cup. They could even use Nations League to see who qualifies for the tournaments to avoid having qualification games, which would perhaps make the Nations League higher stakes. Many countries are, are already sending B and C teams to the Gold Cup anyway. I don't think you would risk having less interest. If anything, more people might tune in since the Gold Cups would be viewed as preparation for the next major tournament that would involve countries outside of CONCACAF. Uh, great show and thanks for the feedback. Now, in answer to our podcast from last week where we asked, uh, can ESPN grow La Liga in the United States? JP says, ESPN getting La Liga was a no-brainer. Outside of the Premier League, this is one of the only leagues that can, can actually drive subscriptions. You have the multitude of hardcore Real Madrid and Barcelona fans, plus the casual fans who want to see Messi and next season, probably Mbappe too, on a regular basis. I doubt they'll grow the entire league, though, with the casual fans. The one benefit of BN Sports was how their shows, such as Extra and Locker Room, did a great job of showing enthusiasm for the lesser-known teams and players. Fans who may subscribe, who may have subscribed to BN just to see Barcelona and Real, Real Madrid, also got an education from the likes of Ray, Kay, Dre, and Phil. With it being on ESPN+, Plus, there's probably less chance of this happening among the casuals, who will click on the Barca or Real match but not seek out the bumper programming. Also, less apt to serendipitously stumble upon a match like Alaves against Getafe, expecting they'll just watch a few minutes but end up staying for the entire entirety because the quality and the entertainment is so good. As a casual fan of Bundesliga, this may have been my experience since they moved to ESPN+. Only made a point to watch a few games last season, Whereas when it was on FS1 and FS2, I would often flip on during a break in Serie A La Liga action and many times would end up with that being my main match for a large portion of the overlap. Finally, the Dutch era Divisie better stay with ESPN or go to Paramount because I love that league and don't want a third streaming service to be necessary to watch it. Uh, it's probable it'll fall by the wayside if it goes elsewhere. Uh, Serie A and La Liga are the are my only must-haves for domestic leagues. So a little bit of news, JP and listeners, on the Dutch Eredivisie League is that um, even though the rights um, expired at the end of last season, 
when ESPN Plus had those rights. I do understand that uh, the Dutch Eredivisie are in talks uh, with broadcasters in the United States. So hopefully a deal will be done before the season starts um, the weekend of uh, August, uh, I think, 14th and 15th. Next up is Michelangelo. Michelangelo says, absolutely, the Serie A did an amazing job, so why not La Liga? My only main concern is that the most important matches, like El Clasico, need to be televised on ABC. This also includes the Copa del Rey final as well. It's insane how Disney buys everything nowadays. All right, moving on to the Olympics. Disco George says, So you all asked about the Olympics. I've mentioned before that I'm a huge gymnastics fan. Well... NBC's Olympics coverage has been all over the place. Peacock ended up being annoying. Uh, you'd get a notification saying that the event was coming up and they never actually put up the dedicated streams. I ended up bookmarking the gymnastics page on NBCOlympics.com and then going there to watch the streams through my browser because I did not feel like dealing with Peacock's shenanigans at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning. While they did have a cool multiple apparatus stream, so you could watch four apparatuses at once during the women's events, there were too many commercials randomly popping up, like right in the middle of someone's routine. My thoughts on the primetime coverage are basically unpublishable. They couldn't be bothered to show all the event medalists, and they missed a lot of the important moments. Maybe they think that they're doing better with other sports that are actually happening during U.S. primetime. But I think coverage has degraded a lot, even just since 2016. Theoretically, Peacock should have augmented things, but ended up just making things more confusing for people between knowing which channel to tune into, if they should use the NBC Sports app, stream on a web browser, or just wait 16 hours for, for uh, primetime coverage. Next up is Dave. Dave says, enjoyable podcast as usual. Uh, Number one, I had a good laugh at myself. I am that guy you described uh, as NBC's ideal Olympics viewer, watching NBC all evening while using my iPad to catch glimpses of multiple smaller sports with the NBC Sports app. Number two, I struggle to see how ESPN earns back $1.4 billion on La Liga. I agree with uh, Mercator that they will likely heavily promote a few players and teams, but at $7 a month, they need 200 million incremental ESPN plus subscriber months to break even. Best case is 96 subscriber months per person, requiring approximately 2 million new to ESPN plus subscribers. In reality, they need a lot more since many new subscribers will not pay non-stop for all eight years. I must be missing something. Next up is Mercator. Mercator says NBC's Olympic coverage has been diabolical. It's never been great, but the commercials are out of control and absolutely disrespectful to the sport, the athletes and the games themselves. It's obnoxious to the point where I just found, found myself turning it off. Although part of this is down to the time zone and NBC's inability to make clear where live events are and where taped events are. The Olympics should be free to air and watch and commercials should not be run during the actual competitions. Nothing is sacred anymore. Write to your congressman if you can. Steve says, 
I both enjoyed and was impressed by your interview series, but I'm also glad you're back in the old format. I'm glad you addressed Olympics coverage, even though neither of you have watched much of it. A couple of weeks ago, I was enthusiastic about trying to watch more of the Olympics than I have in years. But now I have Olympic fatigue. In addition to the difficulties in keeping track of which channel to watch events on, the time difference has been brutal, especially since I have a a set work schedule. Avoiding hearing results before you can watch them on DVR, unless you're up at four o'clock in the morning to see them live, is nearly impossible as you would uh, have to not only avoid social media or specific sports channels or websites, but TV and the internet as a whole, since Olympic results seem to end up as headlines outside of sports news. That isn't necessarily a fixable issue, but a frustrating one nonetheless. I'm managing to watch baseball without many spoilers, but the TBD channel, to be determined channel schedule, has made that difficult to DVR. Back to soccer, I appreciate Kartik taking a little bit of time to talk about the political nuances of CONCACAF and how the Caribbean island nation members have more power than people think. Given that, it's probably a fantasy to imagine a big quadrennial tournament that looks something like the Copa America Centenario, where the six best nations from CONCACAF, Mexico, the U.S., Panama, Jamaica, Costa Rica, and in the sixth slot is debatable, play against CONMEBOL nations, or even less likely, permanently join CONMEBOL to give it 16 teams. I know it's even more unlikely given the politics, but if CONCACAF and CONMEBOL merged, it would be a still it still would be a smaller confederation by um, by the number of members than the UEFA or the African Federation, and uh, and and would make for exciting tournaments as well as a higher stakes World Cup qualification process. Since none of these things are likely to happen, I wish at a bare minimum the Gold Cup would become a quadrennial tournament on non-World Cup even-numbered years to avoid some of the international tournament congestion and give it more weight. Confederations are divided on that since Copa America and the African Cup of Nations also do every two years. But I think the Euros and the Asian Cup have higher stakes by only being every four years. Keep up the good work. Next up is Chris. Chris says, when it comes to the, to the Olympics, I haven't been able to watch much of it when it comes to soccer. Apart from the U.S. women's national team and the Mexico against South Africa match on the men's side. The main reason, like you mentioned in the pod, is because NBC seems to change the schedule at the last minute for most of the sports, including soccer making it very difficult to find the match I want to watch. Peacock is not useful at all because I have to wait 24 hours after the match has concluded in order to watch the full match replay. As for streaming services, I am with Chris in that I will cancel my Peacock uh, subscription if NBC somehow loses the Premier League. While we are on this topic, my question to either of you is what are your thoughts on Fox's streaming service called Tubi? And do you think Fox will use them as part of their coverage going forward? Uh, there was an interview actually this week with, um, um, I think, um, one of the heads of Fox and um, in an earnings call, I believe. And he mentioned on the call that it's very likely that uh, they're, going, they're going to start adding sports to Tubi. A Tubi is spelled uh, T-U-B-I which is their free ad-supported platform uh, streaming service. And uh, it's very much like Pluto. 
Pluto TV, which is uh, Viacom CBS's ad-supported uh, network, which is free. Tubi's free also, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we start seeing some soccer on Tubi maybe in the next uh, six to 12 months. Of course, they don't have much rights, so I guess it would be... I don't know. I mean, maybe an MLS game, but I can't see them putting that on there. Um, maybe it's some of the other games that they have, which is the CONCACAF League, which are some of the smaller teams. Um, maybe that or some of the other smaller tournaments just as a starter. But uh, yeah, yeah, Chris, I think that's uh, that's going to happen in the near term. Jason says, uh, regarding rights, hello, I have a question for the podcast. What is ESPN Plus's current lineup for European-based professional leagues? Right now, as I, as I type this, I think it has the EFL, uh, the Bundesliga, La Liga, the, uh, the Belgian Pro League, and then the Swedish League, if that's it, correct or not. And yes, that is correct. So it has more than that. It has MLS out-of-market games. Uh, it has USL Championship. It has International Champions Cup. Um, and But the, for the most part, though, Jason, you're right in terms of uh, what ESPN Plus has. Last but not least, uh, the last uh, comment of this podcast is from Dave Roberts. Uh, he says, I know this is like two weeks late, but I'm catching up on old podcasts. I've been busy. Uh, you commented on the lack of coverage on ESPN regarding the hooliganism at the stadium. You um, posited that it might have been a conscious decision to not cover it. However, I think this is more of an issue of ESPN simply not having enough live producers with news backgrounds to know what to do when news is happening on the spot. Since ESPN is a sister network of ABC, this is really inexcusable for um, the organization to not have an ABC news crew on the ground and ready in case something happened at a major sporting event in a sports-loving country like the United Kingdom. Yeah, Dave, I think you're right on that one. But I think in many ways, I don't think anyone expected this. I think everyone had the focus on thinking, okay, you mean the action is going to be on the pitch, uh, Italy, England final and the fans in the stadium. I don't think most broadcasters thought that there would be crowd trouble outside, that there would be ticketless fans breaking the security barriers. I guess in a way we should know because of Old Trafford and the uh, the stadium invasion there too, the lack of security. And we saw that lack of security outside Wembley. But um, but having said that though too, yeah, I think um, the crew was not ready on the ESPN side to, to be producing live news. They were again ready to talk about you know, pre-match build up to the game with like 20 minutes to go. They weren't ready to be uh, you mean, kind of analyzing or discussing news um, and maybe they, w- they weren't in the right position, too, as far as the, their location near Wembley Way, but not right where the incidents uh, happened. But, yeah, everyone, thank you again for uh, some great feedback, some um, great comments there. If you do have any questions for us, uh, comments about anything we've said on this podcast, um, let us know. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at World Soccer Talk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. And uh, thank you for your patience. Uh, Kartik wasn't with us uh, this week. Hopefully he'll be back next week. And uh, it was really a great pleasure to have Kay Murray appear on the podcast to talk about her role with ESPN's coverage of La Liga, 
from what I understand, there will be more announcements coming in the next uh, week or two uh, as ESPN announces more coverage details. So, so stay tuned to worldsoccertalk.com as well as po- this podcast, and we'll get that information out to you uh, as easy as possible as, as we can. And uh, don't forget, you can always listen to the podcast every, every Thursday on uh, your favorite podcast players, uh, as well as your favorite assistants. So if you have uh, Google Home or Alexa, just tell them to go ahead and play World Soccer Talk and or, or the World Soccer Talk podcast, and that should pull it up so you can listen to it on there. So having said that, getting ready for a fun weekend of soccer from around the world. Enjoy your football. make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy mail checks invoices legal documents and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.